This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The share it with a friend deal. Even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me is Scott Tamfield from Friends of Foam. This is a special episode of the show, as we will be talking to Alan Smith, who is a former Academy Director for Foam and also former Crystal Palace Manager. I'll be asking Alan several questions, along with another segment of the Cottage Talk Roundtable, which Scott will be helping me out with as well. We have much to get through. Before I bring Alan on, I want to bring on my co-host, for this evening, that would be Mr. Scott Tanfield. Scott, how you doing? Very well, Russ. Nice to be on again. Um, seems to be more often now. <laughs> I enjoy having you on, Scott. Yeah, enjoy being here. Uh, looking forward to the day, show. Okay, excellent. Well, well, let's bring on Alan. Alan, thank you so much for joining Scott and I on Cottage Talk. That's a pleasure, Russell. Well, listen, let's start here. Many people know you. You are very active on Twitter. And just tell everyone a little bit about yourself, and then we'll start talking about form. Well, I, I think, you know, last year, that Wembley game, and, and Scott bear me out on you, Russ, was probably, you know, I'm a quite a hardened professional, and I like to think I am. You know, I've been in the game now for sort of over 40 years. But it was one of the best days of my life going to Wembley that day. I took my grandkids, yep. my sons came with me, and one of my grandkids is on Fulham's books as a 15-year-old. So somebody born in Fulham, I just thought this was magnificent. And to have gone so backwards in such a short period of time, you know, has really hurt me. And, and by the way, it, I think it's hurt most Fulham fans. We can't really get to, to grips with how this has gone so tragically wrong. You don't mind getting relegated. Right. But when there's five games to go and you're not even in with a chance, that that's really does hurt you. It does, Alan, and uh, I was there at the uh, championship final, and it was one of the best days of my life, I will tell you that. So I enjoyed that fully. I got to see all those Fulham supporters with that magic moment. So to be where we are right now is so disheartening. So that's going to lead me to ask you this question. Before the season began, 
did you think this summer, just over this summer, that there was a strong possibility that we would get relegated, or did you feel optimistic before no, we uh, really got into the season? Russell, I was optimistic. Not not so much um, because of the players we'd signed, but we'd been relegated under Mr. Khan before. You could see all the good things he wanted to do. Mr. Carl's senior I'm talking about now. Right. The good things he wanted to do. So I was very optimistic that we wouldn't be making the same mistakes as as we'd previously done when we got relegated. Because I think by by that time, Mr. Khan has sort of worked out a little bit the the odd things that happen in, in English football that you have to deal with. Okay, very good there, Alan. All right, Alan, just want to just now ask you, it's obvious that the club got the recruitment wrong this summer, and you've been rightfully critical on Twitter about how the money was spent. I'll put you in, in the shoes of Tony Khan. How would you have built the club this summer if you were in charge? I'm just curious. What, well, what would first you have of all, done? I would have... When I was, I was a manager and when I was an assistant manager and when I was a coach, I wasn't allowed to have a holiday in the summer because that was the time you didn't go away. And from the day that we won that game at, work, at uh, Wembley, yep. we should have been on the case signing players. But I think we got carried away with the euphoria of it a little bit and the, you know, that wonderful day. Whereas again, if you're a hardened professional, yeah, you'll, you'll have a couple of beers, you'll enjoy it. You'll have your drinks with your full and mate, but then you're working. And I think we let it affect us too much. I think what we should have done then was sit down with a group of people who, who know players that have, can play in the Premier League, not five-a-side players, not players that have a name doing something in, in, in Europe. We needed, you know, a, a Danny Murphy, and I'll come back to Roy Hodgson's teams, Sure. Hodgson always went for tried and trusted. Sometimes people thought that was a little bit boring. But the signings we have made, and if I can take Roy Hodgson as an example, none of these players would get in the Crystal Palace team outside probably Session, Jon Heywood. Uh, and, and most of them he wouldn't want because he wants people that can do it day in, day out. And I don't think we actually did that. We, we, we signed players by reputation, or the sexiness of where they were coming, which sounded good, but could they do a job week in, week out in the Premiership? And the other thing was we signed too many. Right. You know, there is a, there is a thing in football called team spirit. And I got the feeling from the first day of the season when we played Crystal Palace, and I'm now talking as a fan, yep. I didn't see that togetherness I'd seen the season before. That's a great point, and I, I want to go back and talk a little bit about Danny Murphy. Danny Murphy is my all-time favorite Fulham player, and there's a reason for it, because he's a leader on the pitch, and he just does his job. He was just a player that did his job. And I'm just going to ask you, Alan, what, looking at the team that started, like you said, the Crystal Palace match, there were some good players out there, but where were the leaders? Because the only leader I can think of really – I see someone like Kevin McDonald as a leader, but I don't know if yeah. he's good enough for, in fact, I don't think he's good enough for the Premier League. But on the pitch, if you look at that Crystal Palace match, where were the leaders? I think that was a huge problem with Fulham this season. But this is one of my criticisms of the way we sign players. It's science, it's, I do believe in stats. Let me, you know, we're in 2019. We should use every form of technology we can to sign a player. I lived through an era when we were signing players off the back of a fag packet and you'd ask for the scouts report and you'd be told, no, I haven't got that, you know. I know Mr. Carm was very critical of the way Martin Yole signed players and I think he thought he was taken for a ride a little bit along with the rest of the board and they wanted to change it. But what stats don't show is has a player got heart? Right. Does he want to play for our football club? Does he realise what it means to put on a Fulham shirt. Stats don't show that. And if, if you looked at Danny Murphy's yep. stats during his whole career, Liverpool, Tottenham, Crew Alexander, his stats probably weren't brilliant in terms of many things. But what they would have shown is he, to use your phrase there, he was a leader. Absolutely. Absolutely, Alan. And I think that's... What Fulham were missing, I mean, listen, they had talented players, but they were not playing as a cohesive unit. And when I look at someone like Danny Murphy, that's when you brought him up. It just 
really rang true for me. You know, and I'll even throw a, a player out there that might not have been the most talented player, but a player that you could count on. Someone like Bairdino, Chris Baird, going back to Roy's team. And, and in fairness, it, Scott, I mean, our present manager, Scott Parker, led by example. Right. You know, not not, not a big guy and not a prolific scorer, but he, you could you could see out there that he put out. And I think this hasn't been taken. I'm I'm really against also. Uh, I'll be interested to see what you two guys say later. But I think when you have a player on loan and you have too many, do they really believe in your football club? Do they really want to be there or is it a little bit well i'm in transit i'm earning a salary and i might go on now i never took a loan player i didn't like taking loan players um even when i had people like ray wilkins ian dowry ray houghton coming to the end of their career that's a sign for the club and i think this loan system i get why we do it but when you've got so many of them you know are they really believing in playing for fulham football club or the club that you've signed for and I'd have a question mark against that. Okay. Blue Scott has a question for you. Yeah, I want to ask you about it in regards to it, because I mean, my, my issue this season was um, we come into this league and we know that it's improved a hell of a lot since we we we, we presented it last time. Um, my biggest um, my biggest worry was how we um, kind of bought the players that we did, but we never really sort of made or, or gave a lot of attention to the defence. Now, Obviously, we lost Fredericks. Um, you know, there was questions whether he could um, obviously, you know, sort of stand up and make it in the Premier League. But, I mean, the only couple we had for him was Christie. Um, we knew Sessignon was a little bit flaky at left-back and probably would suffer yeah. more in this division. Um, but then we went and signed another unorthodox left-back in, in, in the realms of Brian. Now, always a risk getting Morton in. Um, I've heard good things about him. If he stays fit in the Championship, he could be one of the best centre-backs. Um, in the division, but we know he went down with Swansea um, and he also come to us injured. We bought Chambers, um, it was touch and go, um, obviously, at Arsenal. And then, obviously, we look at the goalkeepers. I mean, we had Bettinelli, massive step up for him, um, and we knew we needed a little bit more. You know, the, the normal shopping kind of process is we, we normally go for a goalkeeper first, and then we brought in two that couldn't speak a word of English. And I just thought to myself, when you're preparing for a season like that, the most important part of that season has got to be your defence. And I just thought we completely sideswiped it. I mean, what were your thoughts? No, exactly the same. I mean, you know, I don't want to keep coming back to Roy Hodgson because it was part of our history. Right. I think he's of a, a, a different age now. But if, if you look at his record of, of building a back four with Ray Lewington, that's what they the, their whole system was about. And, even if the worst would have come to worst this year and we'd have got away with 38 draws and they'd have all been nil-nil, we'd have stayed in the division. I've got to say, um, under, I, I was critical of uh, the manager at the start of the season. I thought we played some strange football. If people would say it's good to pass 30 times in your defending third, I didn't quite get it. And we had a ridiculous situation on Saturday, even under Paul Parker, and I'm just getting on to the back four. Well, at sure. one stage, our, our back four managed to pass the ball three or four times between them and ended up by giving away a corner without the opposition touching it. Well, that takes some doing when you think about it, doesn't it? You normally win a corner because, the, you know, people are putting pressure on you. And I, gain, I, I think I use this word. I think we got carried away with the sexiness of the Premier League. Oh, we want to play this type of football. We want to be this. But actually, what we should have been saying is, look, we're not going to finish bottom. Or we've got to beat the Cardiffs of this world. We've got to beat the Huddersfields. We've got to beat the Burnleys. And it wouldn't have been that difficult had we tidied up our back four um, to have got by. But we didn't. And again, I think there was a... Whether our signings, everybody thought, well, that sounds good on paper. And I think that's where it was. You know, these weren't what right. I call week in, week out professionals that do play for Burnley. I don't want to play like Cardiff. That would be horrible. But, and I, this hurts me to say, <laughs> big time gentlemen, but Neil Warnock would not have let us get in this position. Now that, that, that pains me and I wouldn't want them to be manager of our football club. I don't know sure. about you guys, but um, I certainly 
think we would have ended up a lot better than we've, we've ended up. There would have been more realism to it. Well, let me ask you, Alan, because we've talked about this. I talked about this on a prior show. If Roy Hodgson's in charge, does this happen? No way. Never. Never in a million years. <laughs> they go to Man City, they defend. And one of the things I didn't agree with this season, again, gentlemen, yep. is I keep hearing people come away from Fulham's sort of PR machine. Well, we can't understand how we lost that 3-1. We had 60% of the play. 60% of the play means nothing. It's what you do with the ball when you've got it for the 40%. Very true. And people like Roy Hodgson, um, and again, he's part of our history, he's manager and other club. He's quite happy to let Man City have the ball for, uh, for 60%, 70% of the game, because he gets people behind the ball. He's got somebody like Zaha up front. They play a ball up there, as we used to do with Ian Wright. You score a goal, you win it 1-0. And the opposition shake their temper. We don't know how we lost that. How strange. <laughs> I would like to touch on one point, by the way, in, in defence of the club again, again, that I think our listeners... Are, it is incredibly difficult in this day and age signing players because of agents. Uh, you know, it's a real... And if you look at that her, her horrible incident that happened at Cardiff, where the poor lad died, but in that particular case, for instance... There were four agents involved in the transaction. The main agent was supposed to get one and a half million pounds to sign it. And by the way, that agent also acts for some of the Fulham deals. Um, and at the end of it, uh, you know, you start looking at it and you, it is not easy signing players. Um, you know, there's other clubs want your player. There's agents involved in it that cause all sorts of havoc. So, you know, I think our listeners, you know, it's not a straightforward thing when you want to sign a player. As the Salah incident at Cardiff showed, it's a murky, it's a murky business, unfortunately. And that's another reason, by the way, you need somebody on it full time to try and make it totally transparent. Because if you look at our players, and I'm sure, I'm sure we'll agree on this, there's two or three out there, you're thinking, how did we ever pay... 15, 25 million for them. It just, you know, it, it, it doesn't stand up, does it? I'm there with you, Alan. Scott, you have a question for Alan? Yeah, I was just touching on when you sort of said you need people on it full time, Alan. And, um, you know, it, it's been known this season that obviously Tony Khan has um, obviously floated um, or flirted with his wrestling venture this season. Um, and again, I just thought, what bad timing, especially when you've got a new kind of outfit in the Premier League that needs 100% attention. And all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're seeing things of, you know, a wrestling venture being started up and sort of players or wrestlers being signed out there, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, my, my thoughts are that if you are a director of football, um, and especially if you've got not a lot of experience in it, um, you should be dedicated on that 100% until at least you learn your trade before you start dipping your fingers in other, in other pies. I don't think he should be the director of football, full stop. You cannot. You cannot come, with due respect, from another sport uh, without that experience of having the contacts, knowing how it works, knowing the feedback, having the infrastructure under you. I, I respect totally that he should be a board director. Him and his uh, father have put a lot of money into this football club. They've done a lot of things well. They're still evidently going ahead with the stand. But enjoy that job, but delegate to people. Um, and by the way, I wouldn't then let the director of football just have a free stand. I don't think you, you want somebody in that just goes and does as he likes. I think there should be some form of reporting procedure. And it's not difficult when you think about it, chaps, because you've got the summer window and you've got the winter window. So you've, you know pretty much you know, when your um, players are going to be available, when you can go and look at them. So it, it, it doesn't really hold the system up by having a, I don't know, let's hypothetically say a non-executive director of four who knows something about football or business, let's say business, that the director of football reports to and he has to convince those four that that's right. Then they run it past Either of them, Mr. Carnes, but Mr. Carnes Jr., fine. 
But this was just giving one person on the face of it the power to go into a business that, that he didn't really understand. And I, I've got sympathy with that, I think. You know, it's, um, you know, I think he's got to realise this and stand back from his own benefit and from his father's benefit. Yeah. Another thing as well, Alan, um, I mean, one of the things I've noticed with, with the current ownership that um, <clears throat> whenever we kind of run a summer window or let's go back to this January transfer window, I mean, we were, I think it was one of our saving graces this January where we probably could have saved our bacon if we'd got that right. Um, we knew exactly what we wanted. Um, you know, we knew the positions that we needed. Um, you know, we, we had quotes of, you know, there'll be multiple signings. And I got excited, and I suppose most of the other fans got excited. Um, you know, and, and when the window closed, again, um, you know, we, we ended up with Markovic um, and Nordvite, which really didn't strengthen us in any other positions. Um, but one of my main issues, Alan, and the main part of the question is that whenever we sort of face a transfer window or when we need to act on something, we are always late to the party, always. Yeah. Is that yeah. down to an experience, do you think, from the board of directors, or is it, is it just a lack of kind of you well, know. whether it's a lack of somebody not doing it full time I mean we you know we have got Brian Talbot at the football club um, we have Brian Talbot's son at the football club who he went and employed um, so there are people there uh, but I don't think we identify early enough or quick enough so even now we know the summer window will be coming we've got a good few weeks to sort of prepare for that it We've been doing it right now, Alan. We, we were chasing the game. Yep. I'm not only chasing the game. I, I'm not sure, you know, like I'm not privy to who's involved in it. The managers, all, all three of them, give me the impression they don't have a say in it. Or if they have a say, it's not as much say as they would like or they would want. I mean, clearly, if Scott Parker got the job, and that's hypothetical, he would need a lot more help, possibly, than a more experienced manager. But, I, I, you know, I come back to the fact that, well, Scott, you, you've hit, hit on it. We always seem to be, or we seem to be chasing the game. Right. Even when we weren't chasing the game, our identity of positions and players we wanted, and when we did manage to identify it, it seemed to me as a fan that we've always paying miles too much anyway. You know, you don't see Crystal Palace paying that amount of money for players. Um, now, I don't want to keep coming back to Palace, but they happen to be our, one of our local rivals. Sure. And, and possibly that we're on a, a pretty much level platform of, of where we are. So it's, it's not a bad way of comparing. Right. Alan, the, I'm glad that you brought up Crystal Palace because we've talked about this many times. When I look at them and I kept coming to the word professional and Obviously, you have Roy Hodson there. It's a professional club. It's just run a certain way, the way they do everything. It's just done the right way, and it's done like a Roy Hodson team. But talent-wise, they were no better than Fulham. So I think that's what really drove me crazy is that I look at that. I even look at Watford and think, how are they able to do it in Fulham camp? Because Fulham have the talent, I think in some ways more talent, but they, but they can't put it together. The strange thing about that, I was out with Richard Shaw last night, um, um, or the, the night before, before we played Watford. Richard now runs the under-23s at Crystal Palace, and he played for me. And we both agreed, funny enough, that you, Fulham's youth setup is way ahead of Crystal Palace's, way ahead, that we're a grade A, listed club, they're a grade B. Our training facilities at Motsmouth Park and the ones we've acquired over the road are way ahead of Crystal Palace. So there are things, funny enough, <laughs> that we've got right, but they've been in place for some time. What we haven't got right is the, is, is the top end. Yeah. And you can't play with it. It's not a toy, you know. And I don't really care how much money somebody's got, but to lose 110 million, plus, by the way, not just 110 million, if you look at the agent's fees, you can put another whacking great big amount on top of that the crazy system we may have to pay the agents you know that that's where it's really gone wrong and i suppose a good thing about it is that all of us as fans and us on this program now pretty much have identified the problem it's not as if we're shaking our heads and saying well 
Now we don't know what the problem is. How did we lose that? Why did we do that? <laughs> this is quite clear, isn't it? Do you, do you agree with that? It is. Yeah. It is, Alan. Let me ask you this. When did you realize at what point that relegation was a certainty? When, when did it hit you that it was too far gone? I, I think at the end of uh, Djokovic's reign, I could see it. I thought he was playing the wrong type of football. That's another issue to go on to. I, okay. I had real, I, I thought what he did for us in the two seasons previously was fabulous. I thought what he did last year when he sort of got over his sulk around about Christmas, whatever his sulk was, uh, he guided the team in a very good way. The unbeaten Ramid. But somehow, whether it was disinterest, whether he didn't agree with what was running at the club, I think, you know, we were inviting games to lose the way we were playing, whoever we'd have had. Um, I thought Ranieri coming in, Actually, I thought, well, possibly his experience, that didn't really work. Um, and by the time he'd come in, I think it had pretty much hit me uh, that the players wouldn't be good enough. Right. And that was an issue that I have with bringing Ranieri. I, I think Ranieri is a fine manager. I just don't think he had the players to play the way he wanted to play, Alan. Would you agree with that? Well, I think we haven't got the players full stop. We've seen that with Scott Parker, even. I mean, I really, my, my sort of heart goes out for him a bit because... Um, I, I never understood why Fulham got rid of Stuart Gray. I mean, that was a very odd thing to do. I, I'll never understand that either, Alan. Amazing. And he's a solid guy. I mean, he, he, he's non-political. He's hard-working. The players liked him. We then had to pay him a payoff to get rid of him because everybody, I think, agreed at Fulham he was a decent guy. So we lost our defensive coach. But we've now got Scott Parker coming. I think with good move getting Stuart Gray back again. But even under him, I, I, I see what the players say. I see they, they say we respect him. They say we, we like Scott. But we, he, can't turn, he hasn't turned it round one iota. We've still lost five. Yep. And I, I think we could possibly uh, lose the next. So here's a young guy coming into management, enthusiasm, credibility, played the game for a long time. And his first manager's job, he managed to get relegated and possibly lose how many off the trot. So we've had three managers now in a season. So you, you, it sort of goes to show, doesn't it? And, and we've had a cross-section of managers. None of them have been able to master this particular group of players. No. All three just haven't been able to figure it out. Now, let me ask you before we enter the Cottage Talk roundtable, with Scott Parker these last five matches, what are you looking to see? Well, it's easy to say this word, but I would, and he would say the same, I'm sure. We want to see a bit of pride coming back here. Um, this has got to the stage of being embarrassing. Fulham fans are pretty staunch lot. We've all lived through pretty bad times, you know, whether it was under Alan Dix or whether it was under other managers we've had. Laurie Sanchez didn't fill us with enthusiasm. But most of the managers we've had, if you go to Chris Coleman, obviously uh, Roy, you know, the team had a bit of pride, and I think what he's got to do is to... I don't think the players, if we play like this till the end of the season, they will they will have a blame culture. They will say, well, it was his fault, his fault. They will go to their agents, and their agents say, well, that wasn't your fault. Don't worry, I can get you a move. Um, so I think he's got to try... I think he's brought back a, a happier atmosphere from what I observe. Yeah. But we need to win a few games, and from his own benefit, because... I've been relegated as a manager from the Premier League. I've been relegated as an assistant manager. So it hurts and it leaves a scar. But when you're 50, 55, the scar, you know, just adds to other scars. But when you're 33, 34, like Scott is, that's, this is going to be a, a real painful experience for him. Okay, excellent there. Alan, all right, we're now going to enter the Cars Talk roundtable. I have uh, three topics for... You, Alan, and uh, Scott and myself to talk about. And I'm going to start here. I, I want to focus on Scott Park. I'm just going to share this with you, Alan. I'll go to you first. And uh, right after the match, you know, and again, I'm one that likes to see uh, a manager make adjustments. If another manager makes adjustments, I like to see my manager make adjustments. And uh, I was upset that Scott Parker 
made adjustments too late in the match against Watford. And I saw that a little bit against Leicester City too. And uh, I just think that maybe that this is just my opinion. You could feel totally different, Alan, because I, I want to start by saying this. I think Scott Parker is going to be a fine manager someday. I do. I, I think he's got the qualities to be a fine manager. I just think that, uh, in my opinion, I don't think that he's the right manager for Fulham in the championship because I think they need a, someone that has much more experience, and that's where I'm going on that because when I saw what happened in the Watford match, I just saw maybe it's a little bit of lack of experience. I saw, again, just making decisions a little bit too late, and um, the decisions that were made at halftime from the Watford manager, Garcia, changed the match. So I just said that. I put it out on Twitter that uh, I'm done with uh, Scott Parker being our manager for the championship because I just think that we need a more proven manager. So I'm just going to ask you, do you think Scott Parker should be given a chance to manage the club in the championship? I'd like to think he would, but I I go back to a little bit when we employed Kit Simons. It was a bit of a wave of emotion. That's kind of where I'm going on. Uh, You know, because we liked him and one thing and the other. But I think I come back to the fact that unless you give any manager, including Scott, the right tools, you can be the best manager in the world. You can be Alex Ferguson, you can be Mourinho, you can be Gareth Southgate with the England team now. If you haven't got the right selection of players, and I I would just worry, he's known pretty much only success in his career. He's battled hard. I don't know how he's going to really live with losing all these games and coming out, they just come thick and fast. And I think that might have affected him. So in an ideal world, I think I'd like a more experienced manager. Okay. Um, having said that, whoever we get in, if the system isn't different, we're going to struggle anyway. Okay. Scott, over to you. Your thoughts on this. Again, I came out very strong after the match. I was angry and uh, I was very strong. Again, I would like to see Scott Parker succeed. Let me just stress that. I just think that when we go down to the championship, we need someone that has a, a proven record, has the experience to get us back to the Premier League. I, I want someone that just has that. And so that's where I'm going on this. What are your thoughts about this? I mean, I, I think I've made it known. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of having Parker um, as our next coach. And that's not because I don't like him. I think he's a professional. I think he speaks well. He puts himself Absolutely. Um, you know, he's he's a professional. Um, he's organised. I just think that the Fulham job for him is a little bit too soon. Um, he's been brought That's what in. I think. That, that's where I'm going on this. He's, he's been brought into this, Meyer, and not what Adam correctly says, that, you know, the, these five losses coupled with the next game. I mean, we could go to the end of the season without winning another game, Russ. Um, right. Harsh reality. We, we've got a group of players there that literally I just don't think are there for the fight. And now we're relegated. I mean, they're talking about sending Sherl back and, you know, he, he may sort of play a couple more of the youngsters in the side. And before we get to the championship, Scott Parker could, could be damaging limitations. And he'll have to take that into the championship and then obviously try and build. And like Alan says, you know, there's going to be decisions made above him. There's going to be new systems. You know, there's going to be players leaving and coming in. And unless Scott Parker's got the right tools and the right people working with him, um, you know, it could be a massive failure for him. I don't think it would be as catastrophic as Kit Simons. Um, no. The situation no. could easily go down that route if we're not careful. For right. me, I think, um, I mean, the club because of this embarrassment this season, um, are going to want to sort of try and bounce back straight away. I think it's possible if we retain quite a few of the players and we, we're quite shrewd in the summer. However, with a Parker-type manager, I feel that if you're going to make anything of him or, or make him into a decent coach, I think Fulham will have to nurture him for two or three seasons before he becomes good. Will Fulham have the time for that? Um, I don't know. But, I mean, any, anything can happen, to be honest with you, Russ. Right, and listen. But can I, I just come that... in one more? Sorry, Go ahead, Alan. When that this, we know how tough this division is. You know, we've got people like we, we've got Sheffield Wednesday out there. Probably will still be in the division next year. You've got Nottingham Forest, where you've got Martin O'Neill as manager, which I think actually just proves your points, Scott. You know, there's some really experienced managers down there that have done it, been there. Uh, Steve Bruce recently gone to Sheffield Wednesday. It's an incredible, 
yeah, and it's an incredibly tough league. So, again, you need players that are mentally tough as much as sort of physically tough. And I think, again, I'm not sure how many of our players, when I look at them, I was reading an article in the Times saying, oh, well, don't worry about us. We can, we can cut the players' wages by 50% if we go down, as if that's clever. But any human being, once his salary's been cut by 50%, which it deserves to be, by the way, on the way we've played, you can't tell me he's going to be putting out week in, week out, saying, oh, I love Fulham Football Club. He won't. He'd, he'd go to his agent and say, well, I don't really want to take less than 50%. So it sounds good in theory, but do, does the workforce want to work for you when the salary's been cut by 50%, which they shouldn't have got in the first place, by the way, but um, that's another matter. Very good, Alan. That was going to be the, my next topic because I was going to bring up the article that Fulham might have all these, uh, again, according to the Times, uh, many of these players could be having a relegation clauses in their contract that could trigger a reduction in their salaries. So based on what you just told me, you think that even though in theory it sounds good, you just don't know if the players will react well or if, I just if we have... Common sense. Would, how, would, how would we feel, the three of us, if your boss yeah. calls you in and says, oh, we're cutting your salary by 50%, could, because what happens is there'd be a blame culture and somebody, well, it wasn't my fault. That was Sessignon's fault. That wasn't my fault. That was Carney's and Tierney's fault. And I, I think it just, again, I'd rather get rid of them than rather than them moping around. Okay, that's actually a very interesting take there. Scott, what are your thoughts about the situation that was written in, in the Times about that potentially the wages could be cut in in some instances it said half. So, you yeah. know, um, it's it, in, in theory, I'm glad that Alan brought it up this way because I'm thinking in theory, that sounds good because they're prepared. But the way Alan says it, it's actually a very good point. Would we want our salaries cut in half? Well, it's quite true what he says. I mean, um, if I had my salary cut in half, I'd be pretty peed off. And, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I work bloody hard. I mean, I'm not saying that these players work hard this season, but football's a different, it's a different machine, isn't it? Um, it's all about money. Um I think one thing that the club have got right this time around, and you might agree with me, Adam, is that um, for once, um, when we got relegated last time, we had an old side. We didn't have any assets whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and when we come down and completely strip that side, you know, we, we, we literally started again. One thing I think we have learned from this this time, and whether it's cutting the wages by 50% or whatever it is, we've got players now that are under long-term contracts. We've actually, for once, yep. it's to sell. Yes, and, we're quite attractive in that sense because Mitrovic is under a five-year contract. Um, Alfie Morton, I mean, when he gets fit, he's, he's under a long-term contract. Um, Joe Bryan, um, championship. Um, you know, so I think we're in a better place than we were. Um, but like you say, if you're expecting to keep the likes of Anguisa and, and Mitrovic uh, and, and a couple of other your better players, and all of a sudden you go to them, well... You know, you're on 60 grand this week, but unfortunately, you're going to be paying on 30 grand. Um, I'm pretty sure, as what Adam says, there's going to be a quick phone calls to an agent somewhere online, and, and these players are going to be gone. It's very good. I'm glad that Alan quite, put I, it in I, those terms. I, I, I come back to the I felt quite, I feel quite sorry for Mr. Khan Jr. because I, I think he's come in with a, an idea of what he wants, or I think he yeah. has. Um, he hasn't got the fans like Mohamed Fire did. There is not that, that interjection, that, that feeling, no matter how much the PR sort of side tries to make it as such. And perhaps that's just his personality. But you don't get the feeling. And I think the players need to know exactly where the club is going and what's expected of them. And I got the feeling this year, and it's only a feeling, chats, that they didn't quite... You know, who, who is running this club? Is the manager running it? Is somebody else running it? Who is actually running it? And I, 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 did you get that feeling at all, Scott or Russ? You know? Yeah. I've said for a while that, I mean, I've, you know, I started supporting Fulham back in, I think, late 80s, 90s when my dad started taking me. Um, I mean, he was heavily involved in the Riversiders and he, you know, he supported the Youth Academy and stuff like that. And, you know, when, when Fulham were piss poor, I mean, you know, um, the guys in the Riverside used to put money in for the goals. and yeah, yeah. Uh, There was contributions to buy players and they'd bring a drill along after a game and put some pictures up. And, you know, w w when you turn up at Fulham, it was, it was, it was 
crap football, but it was honest football. <laughs> You you smelt Fulham. It was it yeah, was like game. You got off at the train station. You pulled up and you could smell it in the air. Um, I mean, we still had that under fire, but I mean, this this new regime um, as time has gone on. I mean, I've you know I've been at a handful of games this season because I've just not like the way things are, Adam. But um, that smell's gone. That that kind of connect mm-hmm. ends have disappeared. I mean, we got relegated this season, Adam. And I'll be honest with you. Um, I switched my phone on. I switched it off again. Um, it yeah. didn't yeah. one. Well, I think yes. there's a lot of people felt like that. When I worked under Keegan, people might criticise Keegan, but he made it so clear to players, you play for this football club. He was a passionate man. He wasn't a, a technical man. He wasn't a coach. Coleman was the same. If you played for Chris, you know, that Welsh blood in him, look, you're playing for Fulham, you know, beat the chest. Tigana had the same. But it just seems to me this season we... we truly lost our way and all the three managers not so much Scott because he hasn't been there just gave you the impression well were they really running it Ranieri was different because he was 69 not he was on a winner anyway you know he he, he got a job he gets a job for two million a year at 69 you know uh, you know Christmas has come early and you end up at Roma after you know you must wake up in the morning god you know life's not so bad <laughs> um, you know that was, that was one of the you know would you respect to anybody who's of that age and I'm the last one to be ageism about it but psychologically at 69 are you thinking this is life or death probably not is the answer right well I think you just really nailed it at, at the very end of our discussion here Alan because it, as Scott mentioned it's playing for the shirt playing for foam the smell of foam and it hasn't rubbed off on these players because the players are not, again, they're, these are quality players, but it doesn't seem like they've connected with the fans. And that goes back to, I believe, one of the th- first things that Scott Parker said. He was trying to reconnect the players with the fans, Alan. So obviously there was that disconnection. Well, it was, you know, for one of our own players to be getting up after the Watford game and coming on television and saying, oh, well, I didn't think uh, Tim Ream saying that there's been, you know, that's, that's unheard of and it's scandalous. What, this, what, what has amazed me also, one other thing, I've got to make this point. Go ahead. You can watch Fulham play this season throughout it, and we can be doing quite well. Everything is quite good. And suddenly the ball enters into our net. And then you think, oh, God, that, you know, we're not doing too bad again. Then it enters into our net. Not one of our players has ever been hit in the stomach, hit on the back, got his nose blocked or cut. You know, we, we don't understand what a block is, and that might not be in the most technical term of the... I think the I understand sport. where you're going on this, though, Alan. Seriously, but, go ahead. Um, you know, I, it just strikes me that, you know, we haven't really ever got hurt in defending yeah. our goal. It either enters the net through a pure goal, or it doesn't. And I think, again, I think we need to have looked at the type of... It comes back to the same thing, really, chaps. It's the type of player... Yep. that you want playing for you that's going to have the the balls, if you like, to use it a, a word, to win you a game. Okay, excellent there, Alan. Back in the um, sort of the, the 90s or whatever, when I used to watch people like Jeff Eckhart play. Now, he oh. wasn't a very gifted player, but every game his shirt was black and he had a yeah. bump or a cut or a graze. And the same with Simon Morgan. Um, oh, 100%. Absolute blood for the shirt. It's a great point, and I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that, Alan, because it's commitment. It's, you know, and again, you're talking about defensive, but it really is overall commitment. And uh, I'm glad that you also brought up what uh, Tim Ream did after the match. It's funny because he, he, he spoke to the press earlier in the season, and I thought that was very strange back then. In fact, I would rather my players that represent my team not speak in those terms, if, you know, and again – it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And uh, that's just me. I, I would rather I, I would rather the action speak louder than the words. Does that make sense, Alan? Yeah, it does. But I think what this team this year, it hasn't fooled the fans. You can't pull the wool over. They might right. not always we don't know the we don't know about how the agents act. We don't know how the training goes. <clears throat> We're fans and we want to be in it. But the lack of effort and the lack of pride this year hits home. And I mean, I sit in the Johnny Haynes stand, 
They're very good to me at Fulham. If I wanted to sit in the director's box, I'm sure that uh, Alistair would stay, but I like to sit with my, my sons and my grandkids. But the general feeling around me, and they're not football coaches or ex-managers, is, look, these lads aren't putting out. And I think, chaps, that's, isn't that a pretty general view that we've formed as Fulham fans? Although we don't like it, we, we, you know, we want the best. We don't want to be on the... We, we want to be at Wembley like we were last right. year. We want to be in the playoffs. We saw that commitment then. What has happened in, in what, 10 months? It, it's a great point because that team was committed, Alan. That team gave you everything that they had. They fought through a great deal last season. They would block, you know. I I can, as you're saying this, like I imagine Kevin McDonald, you know, and the, there were players like that. Even Steph Joe, Stefan Johansson, they were those does types that of show players. Up on Mr. Carnes or whoever stats, I don't know where the word, you know, if, as a player got bollocks. I don't know whether there's a column that says that. Yeah. Now, it might not be a, a coaching term. It might not be the most respectable term. But if you go into any changing room at any level, whether it's Ishmael League, whether it's non-league, and I still watch non-league football, or whether we go in, and you look at a player and you think, yeah, has he got the balls to do this? A lot of those players that you have named there, and we went back to Murphy, not yes. only were they technically quite good, but actually they had bollocks as well. Absolutely. That might not be on the schedule that comes down um, on what it makes a makes a Fulham player. It's a great point, Alan. And there's a reason why I love Danny Murphy. You just named a, a good part of it because he gave you 150, percent and that's what I want from the players. You know, again, yeah. everything, commitment. Chris Coleman. All right, one final topic, and then I will let you go, Alan. And I thank you so much for joining Scott and I. And I was just trying to think of a good uh, final topic, and this is just an interesting one. It's just a fun one to think about. And I want to put you in the shoes of, of Tony, of Tony Khan, because he's got some huge decisions to make this summer with some of these assets that Scott was talking about, huge assets we're talking about. And I'm going to mention right now Alexander Mitrovic and Ryan Session as two huge assets. So – which one is more important to keep in the championship to you, Alan? I would love to see them both in the championship, but if you could only have one, which one makes more sense for Fulham in the championship? I'm going to let my heart warm my head a little bit um, and say Sessegnon. And the reason I say that is he, in many ways, last season, and I never thought, by the way, when people were saying he should go on the England trip to Russia, Yep. Uh, Southgate asked me, and I thought he wasn't up to it, and I think I've been proved right. But in a way, he typifies what Fulham Football Club is about. He's come through our system, yep. uh, which is great for Hugh Jennings and his youth system. He typifies what I think a Fulham player should be about. He conducts himself well. Professional. Another reason why I like Kearney, I, I don't think he's a top premiership player. I never did. But again, I think he typifies what our club is about in many ways. Um, so I would reluctantly go for Sessegnon because you do need a player who can score goals. I right. would also doubt whether Metrovic really wants to stay with us. I, I, I just feel that he would be thinking, this is my, the, the man I signed for is now gone. Uh, this is not quite the club I wanted it to be. We're not in the premiership. And I think he will have a West Ham coming. I, I, I know for a fact that West Ham are interested. In, I've got a feeling that, um, you know, he will be away. And I'd rather have somebody like Sessegnon, who is totally committed to our football club, who I know will give it 100%, rather Metrovic being there and saying, well, do I really want to be here? This hasn't worked out as I, I want. Okay, excellent. Scott, how about you? Yeah, I think Adam's nailed that. I think um, my sentiments exactly. I think um, I think you can get away with losing Mitrovic, and um, like I, like Adam said, I, I think like it also a West Ham or a Leicester type um, kind of club will come in for him, or even one of the guys that goes up. Um, I, I think if the right money's there, um, we'll take it because I think you're better off having a happy Mitrovic in the camp and a not happy one because I think there's kind of two sides to him. I don't think he gets. <laughs> 
Um, with Cessignon, at least you get a guy that even when he is down, he's still in the middle or he's doing very well for you. Um, he's, he's naturally grown. He's a grown talent, um, Cessignon. Um, and I think preferably in the Championship, we can, with the law of London, and you know, we'll have a bit of money when we're down there, we can go out probably, and I think Alan will agree with this, we'll, we can go and get a Championship striker that will bang the goals Definitely. in. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the way it's going to have to go. So I'm going to go same as Alan. Okay. Let me ask you guys both this uh, question, because again, going back to what you said, Scott, sellable assets. This is the difference for me from last time they were relegated to this time. So let's talk about Ryan one more time, because I think Ryan would benefit from another season in the championship. So Alan, let's just throw it out there. Let's say Tottenham throw crazy money at Fulham for Ryan Sessegnon. This is what I would do. I'm curious if you would do the same thing, because you have huge decisions to make when it comes to all these sellable assets. And when I think of Sessegnon, you know, such a bright talent, I don't know how long they can hold on to him. I think it's in his best interest, Alan, that if they were to sell him, that they get a loan back for a year. And I don't think Fulham should sell him unless they get a full year loan back. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think he's ready for the premiership. Uh, And that's not putting him down. I think he's a a good lad, and that's not been patronizing. He's got a great attitude. He's got a good engine on him. He's totally lost confidence this season. Why we've played left-footed players on the right-hand side I just don't even get one iota. Uh, unfortunately, Scott's done that as well. But I'm uh, look. If I have a Sessegnon's agent, and I think he's a little bit down. I think you know he needs a good arm around him, and he's probably looked at what's gone on at the club. He's a young man, three managers in a year. Um, I'd, I'd say look, I'd, I'd put this out because undoubtedly I agree with what you just said, Russell. He's a talent. He's going to get there. He's well thought of in the England camp, but he's the age group he plays in. But I think it will be a really bad move for him going to another club. Uh, at this stage, he's, he's 18 still, coming up 19. The best place for him to learn his trade is at Fulham Football Club. Oh, I agree. But only Fulham Football Club, if it's run properly, gets back to basics, and we're probably not far away, by the way. I think we've, all, we've identified the problem. Yes. Uh, it's not going to take a lot to do it. Uh, nobody's saying, look, if you own a club, nobody's saying you can't have a say in it. And there are some pretty unscrupulous things going on in football. And I think the owners have every right to query some of the things that go on. They do it in other businesses. Why shouldn't they do it in football? Football has a horrible habit of... Ter- turning around to people and say, oh, well, you've never been in football, so you don't know what you're talking about. Well, I only come back to the Cardiff situation. If that's the way football is run, uh, you know, the better it is run by people who have got decent morals and everything else. So I think Tony Khan's got a great... And I've seen some of the things he's done on my tweet account where he's, he's given money to people, where he's taken yes. an interest. I just think there was a mistake made here, and you've got to be big enough to admit to it. But still, you know, you're a director. You're entitled to have a say. Okay, excellent. Scott, over to you. Thoughts about Cessnion? Because, again, uh, Emilio mentioned this to me months ago, that if you need to sell him, if you if it's just necessary, I agree with him on this. I, I think he, and I agree with what Alan said, best off for his own development to stay at home. And if you need to sell him, I think that you need to get that loan back. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's a couple of factors here, isn't there? I mean, obviously, one is his contract. Um, I think yeah, he, only, he, only has a one, he only has one year left, so that's yeah. to his advantage. That's The club yeah. doesn't have much leverage there. No, they don't. So, I mean, if he's not going to sign a contract, they're obviously going to try and get as much money for him as they can because we'll be in a situation of Pat Roberts, Moose's Dembele all over right. again. We've, we've, we've been there. Um, I mean, I look at the situation, and again, from what Alan said, I mean, an arm needs to be put around a bit of a terrible season. You know, there's been three managers coming in. Progress well. He's probably played around a lot of players that really haven't given a damn about the club. Um, and he, and AC years of age, he, you know, from that hype of coming up and you know being you know through the academy, he's probably wanted to push for them on in the Premier League. And now he finds himself back down, obviously where he started. And it's all falling apart. Um, you know, for me, I look at the Championship and, and certain players that have actually followed that route and 
stuck down in the championship to learn a trade before actually applying it. Um, I think one of them that I looked at quite a few times was Will Hughes when he was at um, yes. Derby. Um, he's ready for the premiership. He's ready for the premiership. And if you notice with Will Hughes, he never made that jump until he matured a bit more. And obviously now with Watford, he's, well, he scored against us, didn't he? Um, he, (laughs) 18 years of age. Um, I still feel Sessignon probably has a couple more seasons with us before he makes that big move. And I think as a lad, he's got great attributes with Fulham. He's grown up with Fulham. He's got Fulham at heart. I just, for me, I'm just hoping he makes the right decision. I'd, I'd hate to see him wasted on a, on a bench at Tottenham or Liverpool or, or someone like that. I totally agree. I think if he decided to just go to, say, one of the big clubs outright, I just think he's sitting and I think it's going to be a waste for him. He should be playing at Fulham. And like I said, I, I want him to stay. I don't want them to sell him and then loan back. I, that's my second option obviously i i want him to sign a new contract and stay at home for at least this season upcoming and maybe another one but i'm just saying if you had to i would mm. do that but i would only sell him unless he you know unless the uh club that bought him agreed that they would loan him back because i i think it's i think it's to his best interest to be at home because like you just said scott he's gonna end up sitting on the bench somewhere and and that could really hurt him and you know and i i could see great things from him and I just think he needs more time to prove it. And the Will Hughes analogy is great. You know, it really is because he waited until he was ready. Well, he's ready now. So it worked for him. So it can also work for Session. All right. Great show, guys. Alan, I've had you on for a very long time. I want to thank you for joining Scott and me tonight. You've been fantastic. Thank you for coming on. I hope you enjoyed it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And let me just say to all of them, we, we, none of us on this are anti-Fulham. You know, Fulham fans are pretty, uh, you know, we're a pretty relaxed lot. But I think this season has just been exceptionally bad in the way it went. And I think that's what's got under our skin. I, I'm one of these people. I never get involved in who should play left back, who should be right back. That's pub talk. That's, that's great for the fans. But having been a manager, I, you know, I, I sort of think, well, look, there's only one person who can pick the team but this is a big a, a lot bigger uh problem that I, I feel we've identified okay very good thank you alan scott a thank you as always for joining me tonight i hope you enjoyed this as well yeah well, it was a pleasure um i, I chat to alan often on, on twitter and um I've, I've known him always been about the club he's, he's probably met my dad a, a couple of times in the past uh, yeah. so, um but I just wanted to come on tonight just to get his thoughts because I know that he's quite direct, and I think um, from a Fulham perspective, you know, he tells it how it is. And, I, and I've enjoyed yep. it. I've, I've enjoyed listening to you uh, give your points, and it, it's been really good. And it has been. It's been just phenomenal yeah. having you on, Alan. And I've enjoyed this uh, anytime episode. Excellent. So yes, listen, you are welcome back anytime. And thank you so much for joining Scott and I. Yeah, thanks, Scott, for getting it done as well. I really appreciate it. No, that's fine. Cheers, Alan. Okay, well, great. Well, listen, let's wrap up this episode of Colors Talk. For my special guest, Alan Smith, and my co-host from Friends of Foam, Scott Tanfield, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.